There's a word from the Lord in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to ask you on private time with God uh, that you read all of Genesis chapter 3 that make up the context of what I know God would have for me to share with you. But I'm going to begin reading with verse 9, Genesis chapter 3. Beginning with that ninth verse, listen to what God's word says. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? I want to bring the title of the message from the inquiry of God in verse 11. And God said, who told you that? And that's what I want to preach. Who told you that? Theology is the study of God. Theology is humanity's attempt to understand who God is and what God does and how we're connected with God personally and globally. Theology is the study and the attempt to understand who God is and what God does. Etymologically speaking, theology out of the Greek is really a compound word. It's two words that make up theology. There is theos, that means God, and logos, which means word or rational thought. Theos, logos, God thought. That's what theology is. It is us thinking about God. And since that is the case, that really makes all of us theologians. Sometimes you hear me quote great thinkers about God and refer to them as theologians, but all of us, in a sense, are theologians because we all think about God. We all think about who God is, what God's all about, what is God doing, how's God move, how am I connected with God, what is God doing in the world. That makes all of us theologians trying to deal with God thought. Here's the challenge with that, though, that we are finite trying to think about the infinite, that we are humanity trying to think about deity, divinity, and no matter what we think, we miss God because we cannot innately and automatically know who God is and what God does and what God is up to because his thoughts are not our thoughts, according to Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah said, God's thoughts are so high above ours as the heavens are above the earth. So when we try to think through God on our own, we always miss God. And that's why God, in his grace and in his mercy, God says, Jeffrey Johnson, I know you can't think at this level, so I'm going to reveal myself to you. So the only way we can really understand God is he has to reveal himself to us, and God does reveal himself to us. One of the ways he reveals himself is through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Colossians says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God is invisible. That's why we can't figure him out. But he gave us Jesus who is the visible image of the invisible God. So when we see Jesus, we see God. So we know God is love because Jesus loved. We know God has power because Jesus had power. We know God is a healer because Jesus healed and so forth and so on. Because God reveals himself through his son and God reveals himself through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. That's how we get to know who God is. When you believe Jesus died on the cross, you believe God raised him from the dead, you receive him into your life by faith. At that very moment, his Holy Spirit moves inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you who God is. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God, who God is. And the reason why eyes haven't seen it and ears haven't heard it and we haven't felt it is because we didn't have the Holy Spirit. Because if you keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, but the Holy Spirit, he has revealed him. He reveals God. says the Holy Spirit, he searches everything, including the deep things of God. And when you keep reading in that chapter, it says man is able to understand man because of the spirit of man. Yeah, the spirit of man, so you understand man. But the spirit of man can't understand God. So God gives us his Holy Spirit so we can understand God. He reveals himself through his son. He reveals himself through his spirit. And God reveals himself through scripture. He's given us the Bible. So if you want to know who God is, what God is all about, what God is up to, how God connects to you in this world, then you open the Bible. And the answer is the revelation is in God's word. The issue is, when we uh, deal with this biblical theology, we have the truth. But so many of us have listened to voices telling us God's word is wrong. So now our theology is all distorted because we've forsaken his word and listened to folk telling us God's word is wrong. And we miss God. That's what's happening in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, God takes Adam and Eve, places them in the Garden of Eden, and then God gives them a word. Here is God's word to Adam and Eve. You can eat of every tree in the garden except the one in the middle of the garden, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. Don't touch it or you will die. And Adam and Eve had a clear understanding of God's word. And I know they had a clear understanding of God's word because Eve in Genesis 3 quotes God's word. And she says, God said we can eat of every tree in the garden except the one in the middle of the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. We can't eat from that. We can't touch it. If we do, we're going to die. She, she's quoting the word of God. She understands God's word. And then here comes this low-down, dirty snake. And she ends up in conversation with him. And he says, it's the first lie in the Bible. He says, you will not surely die, but you're going to become like God. And, and she listened to this low-down, dirty snake 
saying God's word is wrong. And some of us, we've given our life to Christ. We've been baptized in his name. We connected with the church. We, we spent time in God's word and we meditated on that word day and night and we tried to live by that word. And then we started listening to people in the world with this distorted philosophy and distorted theology about what they think about God, telling us that God's word is wrong and all hell is breaking loose in our lives, just like Adam and Eve. Because, y'all, here's what God said. Who told you that? And the emphasis is not on the who. The emphasis is on the that. Because it doesn't really matter who told you. Is that that? Because if that that doesn't line up with God's word, then your theology is distorted. It's not the who, it's the that. Because the who could have been a preacher, a minister, an educator, a parent, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. But if the that doesn't line up with God's word, then the thinking is off. Okay, y'all not saying amen to this. Back in the 1800s, Back in the 1800s, there was something in the United States called the gold rush. They found out it was a bunch of gold in California. So more than 300,000 people from around our nation was making their way to California to dig up that, those gold nuggets. And so they, and gold was there and they went there and they went after that gold and they were taking time and energy and investment and money going after that gold. But they weren't just digging up gold, they were digging up iron pyrite. Iron pyrite is a mineral that looks just like gold. It looks like gold nuggets. It's the same shape, same form, same color. The only problem is pyrite is worthless. It's not worth anything, but it looks like gold. That's why they called it fool's gold. Because people were investing time and energy and money and they were digging and doing all of that. And then they tried to do something with the pyrite. They said, no, this, ain't, this is not gold. So they had to figure out a way to determine the difference between gold and pyrite, the fool's gold. And that's why you hear about acid tests. The acid test. That's how they could figure out the difference between gold and pyrite. Because if you put acid on pyrite, it dissolves. But if you put acid on gold, it just cleans it up. And I said that because, y'all, the word of God is the acid test for truth. If you want to know what truth is, you got to go to God's word. And if that philosophy and that theology doesn't line up with God's word, that's fool's goal. You invest in time and energy and money and your life going after something that is worthless. But thank God you can know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But that truth is in God's word. And I know that even now this truth is hard for us to grasp because we're in Genesis 3 and if you're not careful, you'll let the imagery uh, keep you from the truth. Pastor, what do you mean the imagery keep you from the truth? The imagery in Genesis 3. If you're not careful, you'll trip so much over the imagery that you miss out on the truth that the word is, is, is bringing to, our, to our, our lives. What imagery are you talking about? This snake. Here is a snake talking. 
And not only is this snake talking, but because the snake helped bring sin into the world, one of the consequences for the snake was, from, it's in chapter 3, from now on, you'll be on your belly moving around. Some believe that that means that at some point the snake was upright, perhaps had legs. And so now they don't have legs. They're on the ground, on their belly, moving around in the dirt. And some of us can't get to the truth of God because you're tripping off a snake. The image of a snake talking and walking is throwing you off. I'm trying to get you to the truth that you're listening to a voice saying that God's word is wrong and now you're rejecting the, the word. But you can't get to the truth because you're tripping off the imagery of a snake walking and talking. And y'all, there are some strange things in this world. You tripping off this snake. There's a lot of things in this world that are strange with all kind of transformation and changes and all of that. It's still strange. Like right now in the ocean, because of science, they're able to go deeper and deeper. Scientists can go deeper and deeper. And they're finding creatures in the ocean we didn't even know existed. And you can look it up yourself. That's some strange-looking creatures. And you ain't tripping off that. You see a, a tadpole, a tadpole wiggling in the water. And then the next time you see that tadpole, it's got legs hopping on the ground, a frog. That's a strange transformation to me. Uh, a caterpillar with six legs moving around in the dirt. And the next time you see that caterpillar, they got two wings flying around in the sky. That's a strange transformation. You ain't tripping off that. I believe in creation. I believe that God spoke the world into existence. I believe God took some dust and dirt and shaped it and formed it and breathed into it the breath of life and man became a living soul. I believe that. But some of y'all tell me y'all believe in evolution, that we weren't always human like this, walking upright like this. Y'all told me that in our history we were a single-cell amoeba in the ocean. And as a single-cell amoeba in the ocean, somehow we came out of the water and grew some eyes and ears and mouth and arms and legs. And then we start hopping around. After we hopped around, then uh, we became monkeys and apes. Then after that, we became Neanderthal. Then we stood up, put on a suit and tie, and went on a Zoom meeting. Now, you believe that, but you tripping off a snake? Don't miss the truth because you arguing about a snake. The idea here is God has given us his word. And for some of us, like Adam and Eve, we had embraced that word. And then we let some low-down, dirty snake come and talk us out of God's word. Adam and Eve, y'all, when, when, you, when you look at them, when they were embracing the word of God, when they were trusting in God's word and believing in God's word, y'all, they had a right relationship with God. They were created in the image of God. Both Adam and Eve, the man and the woman, were both created in the image of God. They would walk with God in the cool of the day. That was when they embraced God's word. And then God gave them a healthy marriage. This is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This is the way it was when they embraced God. And they had a wonderful work environment. They had a job with productivity. They were producing in the farm, in the garden. And, and they were able to use their creativity and ingenuity on the job. They were naming every animal in the garden. And I keep saying they because it wasn't just Adam. It was Eve also. 
The King James Version says that Eve was a helpmeet. A helpmeet? Yes, she was a suitable helper. She was a mate that fits. And y'all, the only way your marriage is going to function is you, you got to get a mate that fits. But all of this was going on in their life when they were embracing the word of God and they had a beautiful home. They lived in the Garden of Eden. When you get a chance, go back and read Genesis chapter 2. It's a wonderful, beautiful description of their home, the Garden of Eden. But all of that was like that when they were embracing God's word. But then they started listening to a voice that told them God was wrong. Now, how are you going to turn to somebody else after God has done everything for you? Everything Adam and Eve had, God gave it to them. That job they had, God gave it to them. That relationship they had with God, God gave that to them. That spouse that they had, God gave them that. The home that they had, God, everything they had, God gave it to them. He didn't give them everything, but he gave them everything they needed. They didn't have the tree in the middle of the garden, but they had everything they needed. And a low-down, dirty snake convinced them God is wrong with his word. And I'm bringing that up because that's how some of us have been. We might as well be honest. Everything we got, God gave it to us. Somebody ought to help me preach this. Everything you have, God gave it to you. Everything you know, God taught it to you. Who you are, God made you. Where you came from, God brought you. Where you're going, it's the Lord that's taking you. And after God has done all of that, and gave you his word, now you're going to listen to voices saying God's word is wrong? And when that happened, everything went downhill after that. I said everything went downhill. They had something with God, now that's gone. Here's God in the cool of the day, and they running and hiding from him. They're distant with God. And if we'll be honest in here today, some of us are not where we used to be with God. We don't pray the way we used to pray. We don't worship the way we used to worship. We don't give the way we used to give. We don't spend time in his word. We used to meditate in the word day and night. We don't give the way we used to give because now we are distant from God. Life of them went downhill when they began to reject God's word. Matter of fact, that marriage that they had, that, that, that marriage that was a healthy marriage, now it's a messy marriage. And I know it's a messy marriage because it went from bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, to this woman you gave me. This woman you gave me? That's a far cry from bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Things started to go downhill. And that job they had with all that productivity and creativity and ingenuity, now they're working twice as hard and have less to show for it. I want to prove that to you. Genesis chapter 3. In, in verse 17, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of in the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. They still were working. They still had a job. But y'all, they're working twice as hard and have less to show for it because somebody convinced them God's word is wrong. And that home they used to have, 
They don't have that home anymore. Verse 24 said they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. They lost the home they had. And for some of us, we still got a house, but you know what Luther said. Y'all ain't helping me preach this. Every house ain't a home. They lost their home all because of the rejection of the Word of God. Y'all, you and I got to get back in God's Word. We got to trust God. And everything that you need is in God's Word. I, everything, every challenge you have. Because the thing for us is this. We look at society and we see how messed up society is. And it starts messing with our theology. Society, yeah. It, it, theology is the study of God. Sociology is the study of society. So we start thinking through society. And when we're, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, racism and sexism and poverty and sickness and disease and, and police brutality and we ingest, we're seeing all this stuff going on in society. And that sociology is so messed up that it started messing with our theology. So now we changed our theology from the word of God to something else because sociology is so messed up. Y'all, you don't take sociology to shape your theology. You take the right theology to deal with your messed up sociology because everything you need to address this world is in God's word. Do I have a witness in here? I was, uh, this is years ago, I was a young pastor there, and I was pastoring Star Church, but I was a young man. And uh, one of our campuses is in Fishers, Indiana. And something jumped off in Fishers. This 14-year-old boy committed suicide. And, and even now, we live in a, in a season of depression. And our teenagers are some of the most depressed people in our nation. I, I believe that suicide is a, one of the leading causes of death for teenagers now. Our, our charismatic brothers and sisters call it a, a spirit of depression. These suicidal thoughts and these suicidal um, attempts. And so this young man, 14 years old, hung himself outside his mother's bedroom window. So his mom comes home from work. She looks up and, and sees her son dead hanging from her uh, bedroom window. She's all distraught. She's messed up. The family's messed up. And not only the family, but all the kids, and all the high schoolers that he was in school with, they were messed up, teachers and all of that. Not just the school, but the whole community. We were, that, that really messed us up. That was tragic, having to deal with. So I had an opportunity to minister to the family, and I, I was helpful in getting ministers and pastors and counselors to get over to the school to deal with teachers and and, and students and all that. Then the family asked if I would preach the funeral. I've seen a lot of things in this world, y'all, but I ain't never had to deal with anything like that. And so I, I got on the phone. I was calling my pastor. I was calling my mentors. I was calling my peers. And I was sitting in my family room sitting down with a legal pad and a phone and an ink pen because I had never seen anything like this. So I'm asking my pastor, Frank Alexander. He's in glory now, but I was asking him. I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do with this. Have you, have you had to deal with something like this? What text did you use? What do you say to the family? I'm calling my mentors. Have you ever had to address issues like this? What, what scripture did you use? How did you minister to the family? And I'm just calling one person after another. And my son, KJ, was a preteen then. He was a little, little boy. 
And, and he saw me on the phone making these calls, trying to figure out what text I'm going to use and what I'm going to say. And he came in with a Bible. I'm on the phone. He interrupts me. And KJ said, Daddy, your sermon is in here. Even as a youngster, he understood no matter how tragic the situation that the word you need is in here. Y'all, everything you need is in God's word. Your anointing is in God's word. Your deliverance is in God's word. Your healing is in God's word. Your needs being met. Your, your breakthrough. Is there anybody that knows everything we need is in God's word? And the good news is, Adam and Eve, you can come back. I know you listen to a low-down, dirty snake that convinced you God's word is wrong, and now you see how jacked up your life has become because you turned your back on God's word. But you can come back. And not just Adam and Eve, y'all, you can come back to God's word. I know you've been baptized. I know that you've united with the church. I know you gave your life to Jesus. I know you used to spend time in the word. But if you'll be honest, some of us have forsaken the word of God. But it is not too late for you. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of forgiveness. And God is a God that will let you come back to his word. I just read this in the paper, if you will, online a few days ago. One of the newspapers from around the nation was talking about this woman whose husband had died. And when her husband died, she had these text messages from her husband still in her phone. But she accidentally deleted the text messages from her dead husband. Those text messages to her were invaluable because her husband can't text her anymore. She had them and then accidentally deleted them. And so the article was talking about how to recover deleted text messages. How, how do you get deleted text messages back? How do, how do you recover them? How do you restore those? So they were talking about iCloud and iDrive and all that kind of, and, and several other ways you can get deleted text messages back. And I was paying attention to that because I had a similar issue. And because I, I was going through my phone, I don't know why I keep text messages for years. So I was going through my phone, taking up all that data. So I'm deleting text messages one after another. I'm just deleting text messages. Then I deleted a current text message that was vital and important to what I'm working on, what I need to do. And I accidentally deleted it. But when it happened, I wasn't thinking about iCloud. I wasn't thinking about iDrive. Y'all, the one that sent me the message was still alive. I just went to the one that sent me the message and said, can you please send me the message again? They sent it again. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know you deleted God's word out of your life, but God is not dead. He's still alive. All you got to do is go to God and say, God, give me the message again. He'll let you come back to his word. Yo, uh, Moses did that. Moses in Exodus chapter 32 went on, he went on sabbatical for 40 days up in Mount Sinai. And when he left for 40 days, spending time with God, he comes back with these two stone tablets. And the commandments have got 10 commandments on these two stone tablets. But when he came down from the mountain, the faith community that he oversaw, they had lost their minds. While a pastor was on sabbatical, they changed God's. They weren't even worshiping Jehovah. They worshiping a, a, a golden calf. And they had all kind of activity that was going on. And when Moses saw all that, he couldn't take it. 
and he took the commandments of God and, and he threw them down. And he broke all ten commandments at the same time. And I looked at that and I, I started thinking, because God, a couple of chapters later, after Moses saw the trail of the glory of God, he got the commandments back that God allowed him to come back to the word. And he had broken all the commandments at the same time. I don't know why y'all ain't getting this. I have broken more than one of the Ten Commandments. I ain't going to tell y'all which ones, but I've broken more than one. And I was, I'm, I'm encouraged because if God will let Moses back and he broke all ten at the same time, then surely God will let me back. And somebody ought to be shouting because you didn't break all 10 of them. And if God let Moses back, then God will let you back to his word. But when God brought him back to his word, the word didn't change. He gave him the commandments again. The commandments didn't change because God ain't changing his commandments because of what you think and how you feel. And this is what I, no, God, God don't care about that. He ain't changing his word over. When God gave him the commandments back, it was still the same commandment. You should have no other God before me. You got to worship me. You cannot make any graven images. Images. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your mother and father. Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not commit adultery. I know some of y'all know the commandments. They ain't changing when you come back. But you can come back to God's word because I'm still asking the question, who told you that? People, some people believe that you don't even need Christ to get to God. They believe everybody's going to be saved because God loves everybody and everybody's going to be saved and everybody is going to heaven. That's called universalism. That's the theology of universalist. They believe that in the end, no matter how you live, what you thought, whatever you did with Jesus, everybody's going to heaven. Y'all, everybody talking about heaven ain't going. Who told you that? Because the word said that there is one name given under heaven whereby people might be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And there are those of us who believe that if you have Christ, you don't need a connection with the church. Because why do I need a connection with the church? Because I already have Christ. Who told you that? Because the word God says to, to Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want you to build me a tent of meeting so my people can come to my house and worship me. God told Solomon to build me a temple so my people can come to my house and worship me. In the book of Hebrews, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. That's what the word says. And then there are some of us who feel like we don't have to tithe. Because why do I have to tithe? Because Jesus died on the cross, and that's under grace, and I'm under grace, and I don't have to tithe. Who told you that? Because God's word says to bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me herewith, saith the Lord, that I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it. And some of us act like we don't have to serve God. Because we're so spiritual, you know, oh, that's that religion. I'm just so spiritual. When did spirituality mean doing nothing? Who told you that? Because the word says, Jesus said, I was hungry. You fed me. 
I was homeless. You found me some housing. I was in prison. You came and checked on me. I was sick. You gave me consolation. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. It is about serving God. And then some of us in this crazy sexual season that we have, this is a season with no sexual boundaries. I said this is a season we live in with no boundaries for sex. And the argument is, the, 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 the theology is, well, God loves everybody. And so you, now you think you can do whatever you want to do with whomever you please, whenever you get ready, and there'll be no consequence. Who told you that? The word says that the bed is undefiled in marriage. And if it's undefiled in marriage, that means it's defiled and dirty and polluted outside of marriage. Y'all ain't got to say amen. My theology lines up with scripture. I'll say amen to myself. Preach, Jeffrey Johnson. I am preaching. But you can come back. Just know when you come back, the word ain't changing. And not only can you come back to God's word, but you can come back to God. Adam and Eve, you are not where you used to be with God. You sitting up here hiding when you hear God moving in the cool of the day. You're distant from God. You are not where you used to be with him. But Genesis chapter 3 shows us the grace and the mercy of God. No matter how distant you've become, you can come back to God. And, and here's the thing, though. When you come back, you got to come back right. And some of us is not coming back to God. It's coming to God in the first place. There's a way you come to God. Because in, in verse 24, in verse 24, you see these, these cherubim. Cherubim are angels. Actually, cherub is singular. And cherubim is, is plural. That's, these are angels with flaming swords that are at the Garden of Eden that are 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 guarding the way to the tree of life. They're guarding the path to the tree of life. Some people think those angels are there at the driving Adam and Eve out to make sure Adam and Eve can't come back in. That is not why the angels are there. They're not there to keep Adam and Eve out. They're there to guard the way to the tree of life. They're there so when you come back, you come back right. There's a way to come to God. Because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, y'all, they knew they had messed up. And they tried to cover it. They tried to deal with it themselves. They tried to cover their sin themselves. They went and got some fig leaves and tried to cover their sin. But God said, that is not the way to come to me. You can't save yourself. You can't handle your own sin. And so God went and sacrificed an animal. And he sacrificed that animal and that animal shed its blood because the wages of sin is death. Whenever there is sin, something has got to die. And the blood was shed, y'all, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And God covered them with the sacrifice that was made. I'm trying to show y'all something. You can't save yourself, but you can be saved. I'm one of those angels in the book of Revelation that said the pastors are the angels. I'm an angel not trying to keep you out, but trying to bring you back the right way. There's a reason Jesus died on the cross. 
shed his blood because the wages of sin is death. He died in our place and covered us with his blood. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You got to come right. Because in this first Adam, the first Adam brought sin into the world. Paul said Jesus is the second Adam. The second Adam brought salvation into the world. So if you're going to come to God for the first time or you're going to come back to God, the only way to get it right with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. There's only one name under heaven that people can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He used a definite article. I am the way. He's the only way to get to God. If you're going to have a right relationship with God, you got to go through his son, Jesus Christ. And anybody that's telling you anything different their theology is distorted because it's not lining up with God's word. God's word is not wrong. God's word is right. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You got to get with Jesus if you're going to get with God. I'll close it like this. I'll close it like this. My friend John Jenkins pastors the First Baptist Church in Glen, uh, in Glen Arden uh, in, in Maryland. And a couple of years ago, I called John Jenkins. I said, man, I am a Los Angeles Lakers fan now. He said, Jeffrey Johnson, you are not a Los Angeles Lakers fan. I said, yes, I am. I'm a Laker fan. He said, no, you're not. He said, a few years ago, you told me that you were a Miami Heat fan. And then after that, you told me you were a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Now you're telling me you're a Lakers fan. You are not a Lakers fan. You are a LeBron James fan. And I got to admit, he's right. I'm a King James fan. I love King James. I love what he does on the court. I love what he does off the court. I love how he uses his name to make this world better and his influence. I love his generosity and, and, and the longevity that he's had in the NBA to be able to play with those kind of skills at that age. We ain't never seen nothing like that before. I'm a King James fan. And recently, King James said that he's going to play long enough in the NBA that he can play with his son. He's got a son who's a senior in high school. He got some game, too. And, uh, and, and he says that when his son gets to the NBA, he wants to play not just in the NBA with his son. He wants to play on the same team that his son plays on. That's why King James keeps signing those two-year contracts. The second year is a player option. So he gets to opt out because he said the only team he's going to play for is the team that has his son. And so if you get the son, you get the king. And now general managers are sitting around wondering how high should we, because right now they say that Bronny, his son, they say he's about the 35th in terms of ability in the nation at the level he's on. Well, there are 30 teams. That makes him a second-round pick. But general managers are saying, even though he might be a second-round talent, he still got time to grow in high school and then his year in college. But, but they're saying we might be willing to use a first-round pick on the sun because we know if we get the sun, we get the king. 
And the king already said, if you want me, you got to have my son on your team. By now, y'all know I ain't talking about King James. I'm talking about the King of Kings. I'm talking about the Lord of Lords. Malachi 1 and 14, God said, I am a great king. And he says, but if you want me on your team, you got to get my son on your team. But how many of you know if you get Jesus, you get the King of Kings? Can I get a witness in here? Because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Don't give me a mansion on top of a hill. Don't give me this world with its shallow thrills. But give me a savior. My life he can hold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. No fame or fortune, no riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Can I get a witness in here? If you get the son, you get the king. Because God has highly exalted him and given Jesus a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In the name of Jesus, healing in the name of Jesus, forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness in here that somebody give Jesus some glory? 